Hi, hi, this is Joy Foster. I'm the founder of Tech Pixies, and I'm delighted tonight to be joined by one of my, well, can I call you one of my besties? I feel like you are one yeah. of my besties. <laughs> um, Jess Rogers. And Jess and I have known each other, well, we were just talking about this. We've known each other for almost six years. Mm -hmm. And I always like to say that Jess helped me start Tech Pixies. She was one of the very, well, just one of the very first people that was involved in Tech Pixies. And um, and she has impacted my life probably more than she knows and has really impacted the lives of women in the Tech Pixie community. So uh, we, I wanted to bring you on because I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about SMART goals because our Cohort 21 ladies are going through their SMART goals right now. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who, don't, uh, who aren't used to my accent yet, that is SMART goals with a T, but a <laughs> 21 lady like to tease me and call them smargles. Smargles. Yeah, like like Megan Markles. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, but it is smargles. And so I want to talk about that. And then I also want to talk about equality and diversity and inclusion, because it's obviously something that's really important to talk about, not just now, but all at all times. And, um, but it's, it's something people are talking about now. And, and I think we should discuss it. Um, so Jess, Thank yes. you for being here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I mean, we've had this in the diary for a few weeks, so it's cool to be here, cool to be asked, and I suppose even more timely now with everything that's going on. Um, uh, yeah. I know it's I you know it's 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 like it's it's difficult. It's difficult to know what to talk about and what angle to come from. I think it's important we talk about it, right? I mean, yeah. I think the 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 irony is um you know we've been friends for such a long time and as i was saying to you before we went live like i've never looked at our relationship like oh she's black and i'm white or i just haven't looked at it that way i've always looked at it as you know you're an incredibly talented woman who is just like the most amazing business coach and life coach and you have impacted my life so heavily that, you know, that's how I look at our relationship and we go for runs and like, I feel like, you know, we can kind of, you know, push each other on our business goals and dreams and encourage each other and work with each other. So that's the way I've always looked at it. And, um, but I guess that's probably, you know, a good, like the best person to have a conversation with about this stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's tricky really, because I hear what you're saying. And, you know, sometimes people use, will say things like, oh, I don't see color. And that, Actually, I find that quite insulting because, you know, it's like saying you're going to go to a, a Chelsea flower show and you're, every single flower looks the same and every single flower is beautiful. Obviously, you're going to see the differences in the flowers in the same way that we see the differences in ourselves. And I think actually we have discussed my culture and my background in, in you know, as we've got to know each other. So, you know, I suppose our, our relationship does have, have that depth. And whilst we might not have discussed race, you have you have taken the time to find out about me and where I come from and who I am. So, well, and yeah. but you know, and you you know, you're gonna make mistakes, right? You know, I think the, one of the things I've seen a lot right now is people not knowing what to say, not knowing how to say it, and making mistakes. Um, and you know, I think, I mean, I'll tell you one of the biggest mistakes that I made um, with you was I just assumed. I mean, you probably don't even remember this, or maybe you do remember this, but I just assumed you were married to a man who was black. Like I just assumed it. And I remember having a conversation with you once and you were coaching me and, um, and you're right. I mean, I guess you're right. Like I, we do see color. You can't not see color, but I think it's, it's interesting coming from a family in America where I did have uh, relatives who were racist and it is interesting because um, when you're around and actually, I mean, I had, um, friends, I mean, they weren't good friends, obviously. Um, but I, and I, and, I, and I'll tell you, it was a moment at a foot at a basketball game. So I grew up in Colorado. We had one black student in our entire school and we had a visiting basketball team playing at our school. And a lot of the girls on the visiting bas basketball team in America, you'd say African-American. You don't really, say, I mean, I think they're starting to say black a little bit more, but in America, you'd say African-American. There were some African-American girls there. And some of these guys who were my friends, um, I just remember they were sitting behind me and the stuff that came out of their mouth um, against the other team it shocked me. It sh it really shocked me. And I remember, I just remember kind of not knowing what to do. And, um, and I just kind of, um, I just got up and moved. And then I just remember 
I, I don't remember saying anything to them at the time. And I don't remember, um, you know, I, and I don't, and I remember being upset about it. And I remember never being able to have as good of a relationship with them as I had before because of it. Right. So I think, you know, but I remember when you and I were talking and I, and I, you know, when you when you said that your husband was white, I just was like shocked, you know? And mm. so I think you're right. I think we just don't know. I mean, I'm the first to admit, you just don't know how to, how to react, but I will say when having been around people who are white and racist, um, and have been in the room when they've said things that were just awful or heard things that were just awful, it does break your heart. And it is very different than the way that I feel. I look at people who are my friends who don't have the same skin color, you know? And I think I just, I think there is a difference in the way that you hear it from someone who really means it in an awful way and it's horrible, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I can't say I know what it feels like to be yeah. recipient, but I can say, I, I know what it feels like to hear it and know that it doesn't feel right and then not know what to do. I think um, what, what's, what's, I, I mean, I'll be honest, I found the last couple of weeks quite draining. And um, I think that what's, what's really, what's been the biggest drain for me is all of a sudden having what is my experience discussed openly, like it being kind of um, open season to talk about how difficult it is for black people or, you know, the kind of systemic racism and the, you know, the, all the, all of the things that have been spoken about. And, and because for me, you know, when I went up my, my, from a very young age, my parents, my dad in particular, so I'm one of three girls, and my dad always said to us, you know, um, you're at a double disadvantage. Number one, you're a woman, and number two, you're black. So you have to work twice as hard as everybody else. And actually, that that's the message that I grew up with. And at the time, it wasn't a negative message. It was more of a kind of a motivating message that you've got to work harder, you've got to get your education, you've, you've got to always you know, be the best that you can be, put your best foot forward. And actually, you know, over the years, when I've worked through sort of some of those messages that come with that and worked through some of the messages that I've got, because I was, I went into, you know, after university, I went into entertainment and media and publishing. And so I was frequently the only black person in the room. That was kind of my, my work life before I became a coach. That was my career, if I'm really honest. And, um, it was quite draining and quite exhausting because I always didn't want to stand out. Well, I stood out anyway, because I was the only black person in the room, but I didn't want to stand out for the wrong reason. So I worked really, really hard. I always kind of gave everything 110%. And actually when I embarked on my coaching journey and kind of my more personal development over the last sort of 10, 11 years, I've realized just how exhausting and draining that was and how much energy it took for me to, always feel like I had to put this kind of face on that everything was okay and you know you, you have the microaggressions people making comments you know that are just they're just well they're racist actually and you just ignore them you just kind of think because they haven't called me the n-word or they haven't said I'm saying this to you because you're black if you're in a room with white people uh, people who are not the same as the same color as you and then somebody makes a comment that's like, hold on a sec, I had no one else to turn to. So you have to just kind of, well, I found I had to just kind of get on with it. And, and actually it is exhausting. It, it's, it's not nice. Um, it is hurtful and yeah, it's draining. And so, but, but in a way you, you know, I think I numbed myself to a lot of comments. So sometimes people would say things and I just kind of, I, I literally had this armor, this numbness about some of the comments that people would make. It's things like, you know, people coming back from holiday and putting their arm next to you and going, oh, I'm nearly the same color as you. And then somebody else who sat there, you know, at, at lunch would go, ah! and then me as a black person, I'm sat there going, mm. and then you kind of shake it off, but actually, daily comments like that and it was daily comments like that become very draining so now all of a sudden everybody's talking about the microaggressions that me and my fellow black men and women have faced pretty much every day of their lives and then that all of a sudden it's like there's this spotlight shone as though this is oh my god it's terrible this is a new new thing now everybody's talking about it but we've been living it 
and the thing is now we can talk about it and it's all everybody's up in arms about it and the fear is in two weeks time when everybody moves on with their life because something else comes along we still have to live with the kind of emotional scar of having everybody looking at us and poking at our wounds so yeah it, it's been a draining couple of weeks but I hope I really hope that we're having conversations now that we've never had before so I hope that this bodes well and that it's you know it's not just the moment it is a movement and we're going to see a shift in the system and a shift in the way that, well, a new order, let's say, and maybe, may, you know, more equity. Um, so, it's, you know, diversity and inclusion, they're great buzzwords, but it's, 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 it's got to go, it's got to go to equality, like real equity. Yeah, I think you are like, that was so powerful. No, I think that was so powerful. There's like so much about what you just said. I think what, I think what people don't realize is that rawness and exactly what you're talking about like everyone's talking about these microaggressions and you're right they happen every day and there were some i mean i we have a, a highlight on our instagram feed which is different uh just different leaders um black female leaders speaking about their stories and one of the ones that i found extremely powerful was leona lewis who was saying you know that she and her dad were in a store and they were looking to buy something and they were told they couldn't touch anything mm -hmm. and then she got really upset and then finally went into the car and her dad went to the car and got the, her CD out of the car and then took it into the shop to show the woman. And at that point, everyone in the store had cleared, no one had supported her uh, or, him, or her father. And she said, oh, I'm really sorry, I didn't know, I didn't know. And she's like, you, you don't need to know, like it doesn't matter who I am. You know, you reacted the way you reacted because of the color of my skin. It doesn't matter who I am. And you know, there was an, another story about a gal who was in an elevator and this, I mean, this one's also on our highlights, but she was in an elevator and this man said, you know, ladies first and let the white ladies out and then stuck an umbrella down yeah. in front of the door and said, you know, I said ladies first. I mean, it was horrible. And you just, you listen to that and you're, you just cringe and then, and you just feel absolutely awful on the inside. And you just think, I can't imagine having to live through that every single day. Yeah. And it just, that's what breaks your heart. And so I, I, I appreciate very much that, um, and I probably didn't fully appreciate how raw this is for you and to come on and talk about it and what that means to have to kind of relive, you know, what, and it's interesting because we were talking about this and it, someone said a while ago, I think it was Amy Porterfield, she was talking about, you know, um, when you have an open wound and how you shouldn't, you shouldn't talk about, and you're in business, in the business world, you shouldn't talk about your open wounds as you're going through them. So like when, when the company's about to fail and you can't make payroll, probably not a good time to announce that on your social media feeds. And her <laughs> point is actually a good time to announce that is when it's scarred over, right? And when the wound has healed and you can then talk, you know, and the company's revived itself. And I mean, I've talked that, I've told that story a lot of times when I've had to lay off the most of the team and then we almost went under and we've come back, you know, and revived and blah, blah, blah. But there's this, 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 the story there is that the wound is healed and that, you know, we're talking about it in past tense, but what you're talking about is exactly this. It's like, you're, you're, it's an open wound. Oh yeah, We're talking it's, about this as it's an open wound. Absolutely. And, you know, I, and I hear that, you know, I, I get it that it's difficult for people to know what to say. They don't want to say the wrong things. They say nothing or, and actually, you know, the, the, the key thing for me is um, show empathy and actually, um, it's not your lived experience. You can't say, oh my goodness, I know how that feels, but at least listen, be open to listening and actually not just passively listening, like actually hearing what's being said to you, show empathy and say what's, on your, what's in your heart. I think that's the most important thing that you, you, you show that, you know, I see you, I hear you, I feel for you. We, this is what I want to do to help to make that different, to help to make that, to make a change. And so I'm going to give you an example. So, um, I mean, I was feeling really raw last week, as a lot of people were. And I saw something on LinkedIn, So just thinking about business. So somebody, a business owner, had posted something on LinkedIn where he had um, basically appropriated the black, the symbol, the Black Lives Matter symbol onto his logo and basically said, I'm sh um, to show my support for Black Lives Matter, I've 
adapted my I've changed my or adapted my logo and then his that was the headline and then he then his art then he'd written an article he went on to write an article that didn't feature one black person it was an event didn't feature one black person didn't even mention black people didn't mention how he was supporting Black Lives Matter now for me I don't expect every single business to come out with a statement about how they're supporting Black Lives Matter a lot of businesses did and actually when it's performative it's quite insulting so I saw this and I, I just wrote a comment and I wasn't being off. I just said, interesting, how are you supporting the cause? And he wrote me the most sarcastic response in his comments. So I then responded again and just said, look, I'm not saying I'm sure your intentions were good. However, I just think it's quite misjudged. It's a misjudgment for you to use that symbol on your logo. Um, and I just think you need to kind of take a step back look at what you want to do and then perhaps take your steps forward and he wouldn't let it go joy and he wrote another and then it turned into a thing where a few people wrote in support of what i'd written that actually he probably needed to rethink so what he then did was he at the end of all of this conversation that went on i actually switched off because we went out for a walk because I, I was so angry I was, I was really i was actually quite upset and my husband was just like look you need to walk away from this he said you know he said just my husband actually had some choice words he thought I should put on the comments and come up and I said I'm not going to do that because I, I I don't want to I just don't want to do that so anyway the upshot of it, what he said was I'm not going to remove the logo but what I will do is I'll put a statement about what I will do and the statement was very empty so I just said that's good for you but I just think you know you need to do some work because it's about doing actions over captions that's my new little phrase actions oh I like that actions <laughs> Um, so good. And and actually, you know, I and I and my husband, as a white man, said after the after I questioned it, my husband said, if it were him, he would have just said, you know what, hands up, fair enough. Perhaps I didn't think this through. Um, let's have a conversation. I'll DM you. Yeah. Leave it at that. And uh, you know that that was and I because I was feeling quite raw anyway. That was all it would have taken. But to almost like mansplain and white explain to me why it was okay for him to appropriate a Black Lives Matter symbol, mm. me, a black woman, was just like, "Are you for real?" I don't get that at all. But I, I well, can we just pause here for one second because yeah. this is all you know. Technically, this is all about social media. You just yeah, actually. Um, pointed out a really good way of dealing with negative feedback on your social media feeds, uh, which, which is to say, let's privately talk about this. Can you DM me um, or just DM someone? Um, it's, you know, and, and actually, I mean, to be fair, I think that conversation needed to happen live because I think people needed to see that. Unfortunately, you know, that's the, he didn't get it. He really didn't get it. Um, but I, you know, just on a side note, if you are doing social media and you have, um, you know, some bad exchanges, sometimes the best thing to do is take it private, yeah. privately. But here's the thing. I mean, that's the thing. Okay. There's so much tension right now and there's tension from coronavirus. There's tension from, you know, this Black Lives Matter, the, uh, you know, the death of people who should just not have died so many of them I mean it's you know it's it's just not right you know there's so many things that but the tensions are high right now and you know I mean and, and so there's no denying that and there's no denying that people are going to kind of they're going to take put a stake in the ground but really what was so weird about that was that it was completely contrary to the stake in the ground he was trying to take you know he was trying to take the stake in the ground of I'm going to be supportive and then actually everything else he did didn't represent that. And I think that's the, 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 the lesson learned here is you've got to look at the inside and the outside. You've got to look at what you really truly in your heart believe. And, yeah. you know, and, and actually, I mean, I, it's not that I want to leave this conversation because I don't, I think we can mm. go deeper on this conversation if you want to. But the reason that I wanted you on here was for SMART goals mm -hmm. and, and really, that is challenging the inside and it's challenging what's going on with your, you know, where you are now and where you really want to be in your life. Right. And I, and I don't want to leave this conversation if, if you're not ready to. And I, you know, cause it's so important. And I, and I think I, I also wanted to say, you know, this is a platform for you. I mean, tech fixies, 
is still very uh, white. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, I'll tell you something very interesting. We have tr tried to, um, when we do our Facebook ads, we have, uh, we have a couple of beautiful women um, of diverse backgrounds in our community. One of them is a Gouda um, and Atakoya, and she's just absolutely stunning. And we have her in a couple of our ads. And it's really interesting because the Facebook algorithm never treats that ad very well. Like we have multiple ads that we put up and the, the statistically, and I'm gonna do some more testing because I'm really curious about this, but statistically, it's always one of the ads that's our worst performing. And it's one of my favorite pictures. And I made a decision in our last two ads campaigns that even though it was gonna cost me more money to get that ad in front of people, that it was important because I felt like number one, I mean, you, you led our vision day last year and you know that one of the things that as a company we wanted to do was have, you know, it was about women, all women, mm. no matter what type of woman you are, yeah. what color you are, what your mm. sexual orientation is, what your background is, socioeconomic background, you know, rich, poor, you know, we, Tech Pixies is about women and it's about closing the gender gap in tech. And it doesn't matter what kind of background you have, um, you know, and, and actually quite frankly, we've had a few men say, can I join? And we've never said, no, we have some amazing men who've gone through our program and they kind of become superstars in their cohorts. But I think, you know, where I saw the gap was, was in gender. That's where I saw the gap. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I guess, um, I guess what I wanted to say was, you know, how can organizations start to proactively make a difference on the inside? You know, not just, like you said, not just change the logo, but actually make a difference on the inside. What steps can they do? What moves can they make? And as individuals, particularly white women, and I, I'm saying, I'm speaking on behalf of many of the women in our, in our you know, in the Tech Pixies world, you know, what, what can they do to uh, help? I know you talked about being empathetic and just listening. So I think that's really important. But yeah, if you and have I, I think it's, it's, do, it's doing the work, you know, it's actually understanding what, you know, where this all comes from, understanding the, the system that currently exists, because just because um, people aren't openly, overtly saying racist things or openly, overtly saying, I'm not going to hire this person because of X, Y, and Z. Actually, there is a systemic problem. There are um, issues around unconscious bias. There are issues around how um, basically people hire in their own image a lot of the time. Um, there are issues around how for some companies they're marketing and so actually they, it, the marketing gives off particular messages so it's about stepping back businesses and looking at what's going on how many people do you have in influential positions within your business because actually that then drives what the the mission and the focus and the actual action that you take that, that you as a business take and so look at you know how much you know, <laughs> uh, Matt Hancock had that big, terrible moment on Sky News on Sunday with um, the lady whose name has gone out of my head, where he said uh, she asked about how diverse the cabinet was or how many black people were on the cabinet, Sophie Ridge. And he said, we, we're very diverse in our thinking. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, really? But that aside, there is a degree. I mean, when I, the way I'm, talk, what I'm thinking about now is, in order to have that diversity of thinking, you need people from different backgrounds in decision-making capacity. So for businesses, it's looking at that. And, and so, so looking at, you know, if, if you haven't got that, why is that? What, what are the blockers? So I'm not suggesting that people just hire, hire because they're trying to get color into their, onto their boards, but they actually look at, you know, how do, who do we want to serve with our business and how are we going to effectively reach those people? And actually when you do the work and look at who you want to serve and look at what the opportunities and look at what, what sort of difference you want to make in society, that's, it's from that place that you take action. It's from that place that you decide what your next step's gonna be. And as individuals, as, as maybe the women who are watching today or watching, you know, watching this, you know, do the work to understand what black people have been going through for the past X hundred years, you know, where, you know, do the work to understand what the obstacles are that we're facing. And when you know that, 
dig deep inside yourself, look inwards and think, you know, what, what do I want to do about it? How do I want to affect change to ensure that that doesn't happen? So we do have more equity, you know, so, so we do, we are all able to live in, a, in equity and in harmony as well and take your action from there, say your words from there. Well, and I think when I think back to the two stories that are sitting in our highlights of the elevator and also the, the shop, you know, prepare yourself for if you're in a situation where someone gets treated like that, what you're going to say, because in both cases, the ladies said, I wish someone had just said something, you know, the, the, the white people that were in the shop just walked, walked out and the white people that were in the elevator just walked out. And no one said that was wrong, you know, and it was, it, you know, and I think that's, I think it's important and you can't, and a little bit, I mean, and this goes back to this whole visualization thing um, of if you can't visualize yourself doing it, it's very unlikely to happen if you're not ready to put yourself out there, right? Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of women going through our program who it's very hard for them to put themselves out there for the first time on social media anyway, right? So they're just putting themselves out there. And there was like the big conversation around, you know, the black square, do we do the black square? And, you know, and, but also it's, it's, I think it's preparing yourself for the fact that if you are in a, if you were the woman in the elevator, how would you handle the, if you were the white woman in the elevator, how would you handle the situation? If you were the, Sorry, so I was gonna say, that's where the silence, you know, being silent is complicit comes in because if you see like something as awful as that happening, as somebody being treated like that in, in a lift in an elevator to what um, I so yeah you walk away because oh you walk away and go oh my goodness that was terrible that was really embarrassing or whatever but actually think how that person who was in that situation felt so in that moment if you think it's off if you think it's terrible call it out say it so that person feels seen that person has some support they don't feel so alone and the person the perpetrator is put put in his play his or her place you know? Yeah. Well, Yvonne, one of our students is um, writing on here and she said in her Facebook ski group, there were some really negative racist comments. Mm -hmm. And she just, she did, she said she didn't have the energy to argue with him. She's black herself. She didn't have the argue, the energy to argue with him. So she blocked him and kicked him out. But, you know, she said it's that it's the microaggressions you're talking about. And actually, if you were to, if for every microaggression, there was a micro um, what do we want to say? Like a micro, like someone stood up on a micro level, like that would just make a difference. Right. And then those micro differences make a massive difference. Exactly. All it would take was one person. So like, you know, exactly that. So if somebody else in that group stood up she, as a black woman, no, she hasn't got the energy because, and, and also why should she have to defend herself? Actually, the other people that this is what it's when people are talking about allyship, you know, this become quite overused now, but you're in a group with other people who are not black. What all it takes is one person to say, come on, that's not on, you know, and that that goes some way diffusing that aggression. And, and then you as the black person don't have to give it's, it's energy zapping enough to have to see racism or to to experience racism to experience that aggression yeah that in itself is energy zapping enough to then have you you, you haven't got anything in you to then have to fight it and why should you and that's what black lives matter is about why should there are you know in the world everybody's claiming to be good people good citizens well show it yeah you know amen to that um, Rachel Simpsons just said, in this day and age, my daughter at 13 was told she had to go to the back of the bus. Oh. I mean, that just like hurts, you know, like it just, it's wrong. It's really wrong. I mean, that's what this is about. That's why we're talking about it. It's so important that people know how wrong that is. And it's so important that people stand up for it. And it's so important that no one hears that, you know? And this is the, this is where we, you know, we talk about white privilege and actually, um, 
I know that it's 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 difficult for some people to hear the phrase white privilege and white supremacy because they they they're like, well, no, I'm not privileged because I come from a disadvantaged background, or no, I'm not privileged because I've worked hard to get where I am and that kind of thing. And but actually, the the privilege is is the fact that you, you if we weren't having this conversation now, you would never need to even think about how that might feel for somebody. For a 13 year old child to be told to go to the back of the bus and I'm sure there were other people I would guess there were other people on that bus you know who stood up for that 13 year old child you know but they had the privilege perhaps to just look out of the window and be outraged but inwardly outraged and, and Rachel, actually that's not good enough Rachel says she was too scared not to be compliant well she's 13 it's just awful. It's awful. And I think we just have to have these conversations because we have to make sure that people take action when they see stuff like this happening now, you know, and it's, and, and you know what it's not about? It's not about like in Leona Lewis's case, you know, you're in this store and someone's treating you like that way. It's not about going up to the person who owns the store and, you know, yelling in their face, but it's about just staying in the store and standing by her and saying, but, this but actually it is, it's about, it's about, taking that person to task I'm not suggesting yeah. yelling at them but it's about saying this is wrong why are you doing this yeah it's about saying something actually saying something yeah and um just to bring it to smart girls because don't you know <laughs> <laughs> um, let's bring it back let's bring it back but oh this but, you is know, so important Jess and I appreciate I know we're in the middle of the, the wound on this and thank yeah. you for being but, but it's relevant because actually, you know, when you're setting your goals, you know, you set your goals based on what you want, what you want for your own success. You define your own success. So make part of that success being able to um, make societal change, make part of that because we all have a part to play. We, you know, we can all change the world in some way. So actually, when you're setting your SMART goals, you're you know, you've defined your own measure of success and you set goals to reach that. And so make dismantling systematic racism part, part of that. Yes, you know? I love it. That you know, is the smart goal. <laughs> and it's like, Joy, you had, you know, you had your, um, when you started Tech Pixies, you know, one of your goals was about gender equality, was about oh, um, increasing women, women's access to tech or women's confidence in tech. So you put your stake in the ground to make your difference in the world for women and actually that is I mean that is a big <laughs> big vision however you made that you made that conscious decision about helping women and and in, in what is what had been traditionally a, a, an area that women didn't particularly go into a lot and so how would it be to put that stake in the ground for people for, for black people or for marginalized people to be able to make a difference to them well do you know what I mean, Jess, I got to tell you, one of the really interesting things about doing the work, the women in tech work, is it, it is in doing the women in tech work. And it's in, in going to conferences like, you know, we are tech women. And it's in, it's in being surrounded by other women in the tech space that I learned to see diversity. I learned to see the problem because I didn't realize there was a, I didn't realize there was a diversity problem. I just thought there's an equality problem, right? I never even thought about race. I didn't think about LGBTQ. Honestly, it was not yeah. something that, and then when you go to these women conferences, they care about diversity. They care about, you know, the, 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 the whole woman, you know, all of the women. Yeah. And it is incredible being in a space like that because you see really powerful leaders, um, and you know, very diverse panels, and you get to hear incredible um, stories—not always good ones—but you get to hear these incredible stories, and you do get open to it. And I will be the first to admit, when we started Tech Pixies, I, it was a, it was a woman—you know—it was a gender gap problem for me. Um, mm -hmm. But it has been in being exposed to the fact that it's not just a gender gap problem. Uh, that is, in, particularly in tech. I mean, tech is like tech is notoriously bad for being white male um, dominant, mm. uh, but I will say it is also one of the industries that particularly when women do get involved that, you know, there's, that it starts to change. And, mm. you know, we know from the work that Dame Helena Morrissey did to get women on boards, what's happened with all those companies that have brought women onto those boards. But 
you're right. And we need to champion beyond just women. And it's something that I'm definitely dedicated to. And, um, you know, now more than ever, but it was something that, you know, we were aware of uh, Mm -hmm. was a problem, but, uh, and you know, problem in, in many senses of the word and wanted to make a change with, but I love the Smarkles um, angle on that. And interestingly Mm -hmm. enough, I want to just circle back to Rachel's daughter because Rachel said that she found her daughter found her voice. And she spoke at a Black Not Lives Matter protest in Oxford and she found her voice. So, you know, that is amazing. And I think we need to circle back on that story because we need to, to highlight that. But um, what you said was really interesting because one woman in our in our um, cohort 21, she was really struggling with how do I, you know, what do I do about, about what's going on? She actually did make her smart goal uh, to be, uh, you know, to figure out a way to, to, to follow black leaders, to promote black leaders on her Instagram feed. That was her smart goal is to, you know, to really try and educate herself and really understand what's going on and to, you know, to, to really raise her voice in, in, uh, the best way that she possibly can to, you know, to stand up. So it's that, we got to figure out a proper word for it, but the opposite of microaggression, like micro positivity or. <laughs> and, and, you know, we all have a part to play because actually um, from something as relatively simple as um, set, setting a goal to call things out and actually not just ignoring them. And that will lead to difficult conversations because there'll be family members who perhaps say things that are questionable and then say, but I'm not a racist. You know, I've heard a few people saying that. Usually um, you have to say, I'm not a racist. <laughs> precisely. Um, to, to people who are, you know, who are going, who are saying, you know, they're going to follow, um, more black leaders and learn more and understand more there are so many so many levels of what you can do to show your support and to um to really make your difference in this new new world (laughs) well we we definitely changed the homeschool curriculum so we uh listened to both martin luther king jr's big you know the big speeches he's known for he obviously had lots of speeches but we picked the two um the mountaintop speech and then also i have a dream Mm -hmm. and the kids listened to the full 45 minutes of the other one and it was really interesting because we had we stopped and at different points i had to explain you know what different things meant um but we also watched michelle obama's becoming which i really i love um, that loved yeah and of course i my daughter was so funny because uh, she said, hey, mom, I gave you that book for Christmas. Um, you know, and she did. And I, you know, it's one of the books I've got. It's one of the books that I love. And um, of course, I ended up listening to the Audible because her voice is so beautiful. And mm. you, know, you feel like you're talking whenever the yeah. author reads the book, you feel like you're in your you're friends with them. With them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, my friend, Michelle, I'm gonna go hang. And the book's like 19 hours long. So it was like, I got to hang out with Michelle for 19 hours. And then when it finishes, you're a bit like, cause I, I like listening to Audible in the car. And I remember I listened to Shonda Rhimes, Year of Yes. Oh, and, that's the book I wanted to get. I couldn't oh, find it. Amazing. Yeah. And um, I remember when it like finishing it off and I was in the car and it finished and I was like, oh, where's my friend Shonda gone? <laughs> Because I'd been with her for all these hours, every car journey and every, you know, I'd had her talking and telling me her story and what she'd been doing. And, and it's great. Yeah. Well, I know one of your smart goals was to write a book. How's that coming? Oh, God, I haven't even started. I've, I've, um, I've kind of, my goals moved slightly. That was my, that's a BHAG. But, um, oh, that's your BHAG. Okay. That's well, my BHAG. I think, can I just call you out on that one? Because I took a week off over the um, half term, the half term break. I mean, we don't even know when these breaks are now. We're like homeschooling around the clock. Oh, well, let me just finish that off. Let me let's circle back to the homeschooling. And let me, let me tell you about the, I'm going to call you out on your BHAG here. Um, but that's, you know, that's our friendship. I get to call. Um, but the other thing we've done for homeschooling is um, there are these great books called uh, the rebel girls. Good night. The good night books for rebel girls. Yeah. Thank you. And they're very well done and they are very well diversified. And so I had my kids go through and find all of the stories of women from diverse backgrounds, pick their favorite, and then go create a Canva poster, which they then had to email to their grandparents and, you know, all that Who stuff. Who was their and then, favorite? Uh, so Asher went with more of um, the bigger picture. Like he went with kind of, here's what was happening to people. 
Yeah. And then Heidi, let me go find her poster. It was so good. Um, my, sis, my, my sister, my daughter's got, um, there's another book, um, uh, little, it's a little leader's book, Black Women That Changed History. It's by um, um, Vashati Harris. If you look, there's a, and um, my daughter, there's a uh, Ruby Bridges. Yeah, that's it. That's, I'm looking at it right now. Ruby yeah. Nail Bridges. That yeah, was her favorite. Because my daughter's called Ruby. And so Ruby Bridges is her hero. And, and you, know, this, you know the story of Ruby Bridges. She um, was the first only black girl in the school and um, parents took their kids out of the school. And then it was a teacher. And there was a teacher called Mrs. Henry that took her under and my daughter's teacher's called Mrs. Henry. Oh my Harley. God. Yeah. Her wow. But, um, and Ruby likes her because her name's Ruby. But did you know Ruby Bridges has only just turned 65? No, that's yeah. incredible. So that just tells you about the history. Like yeah. the woman who was the only black girl in school, parents took the kids out of school, teachers refused to teach her. She couldn't eat in the lunch hall, all sorts of things. That woman is still alive and she's only 65. She's younger than my dad. Well, you know, it's well, like, yeah. And when it was when, when, when Martin Luther King was talking, he was saying, he was talking about the dream of um, the children of plantation owners, the grandchildren of plantation owners sitting down with the grandchildren of slaves. And you just thought that's, they weren't, they, you know, you, it's, a, you think we're just not that far removed. And, mm -hmm. and actually, and the one other book that we, I had the kids listen to, which was very difficult for them, um, was why I'm no longer talking Renee Lodge. Renee Lodge. Wow, that's a that's a big book to get the kids to listen to. Well, we've been doing it on our walks and we've been doing it in the car. And we were on our way to Kew Gardens for my brother-in-law's birthday. We did a little walk, a socially distanced walk, of course. Mm. And um, and we were we were walking and anyway, in the car, we were listening to it and it got to a place, and this is interesting, it got to a place where um, there was an 11-year-old boy whose mother was shot in front of him because they had broken into their apartment looking for his older brother who wasn't there and there was he yeah. was not he was never there he was you know there was there was no reason for them to break into that apartment and mm. his mother ended up dying um years later of kidney failure which was directly tied into this gunshot wound yeah and i mean the kids were listening to this and and at one point heidi and asher both said to me mom can you stop it you know and i said actually i'll stop it so we can talk about it but you need to hear the end of the story like you have to listen mm. to you know your tin he was 11, you know, it's like, and I don't want you to get worried that it's going to happen to me because I mean, actually that's the point of the book. It's not going to happen to me. You know, that is where the white privilege comes into play. You know, that's it's, but what I want you to do is I want you to listen to someone else's pain and I want you to, and they were, I mean, and I felt like an awful mother. They were in tears in the back of the car, but I, I just, I felt like, you know, we talk about it with kids, right? We talk about we talk about race, we talk about Ruby, Nell Bridges, you know, we talk about, you know, we talk about Martin Luther King, we talk about Michelle Obama, but they don't feel the pain. And I, it's not that I want to make my kids feel pain, but I kind of do. I kind of want them to feel it because I want them to know that it hurts and, and that it's not okay. And, you know, and that what, what happened in that story was wrong. And then, and unfortunately there wasn't a happy ending to the story, but you know, it then goes on. And then interestingly enough, right after that, she starts talking about um, what's happened in kind of Hollywood and, and, you know, in acting and, you know, what's happened there. And so, and then, and we kind of got to the point where I felt like, okay, we're in a good place. We can pause it now. Mm -hmm. And Heidi's in the back of the car going, you know what, mom, everyone who's in Harry Potter is white. Like, you know, she uh, suddenly she was aware of something yeah. that mo probably most people, I mean, I, until she said it in that moment, I was like, mm, no, I didn't, I hadn't even noticed, you know, and that's, that's the problem. Mm. That's the problem. We don't even notice. And, and someone said on here, silence is compliance, you know, and mm. I think that's, I think that's a really powerful message, you know? Mm. And so there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's hard to make your kids sit through stuff like that. And it's hard to talk about it with them especially when they're in tears because um, they don't want to hear it. But I felt like it was important. Um, all right. So can I call you out on your BHAG? Oh, go on, man. All right. <laughs> now you're holding me accountable. <laughs> yes. Well, someone's got it. This is the whole. Okay. And let's talk about the way that you switch the SMART goals up. Yeah. SMART goals are not the same. And for those of you who, you know, SMART goals, you know, your SMART goals are not the same as like the typical SMART goals. No. So, uh, let's just review what SMART goals are. Specific, measurable, 
and you mine. Yeah, so but the Jess Rogers version is accountable. Accountable. Yeah. So I'm calling you out, girlfriend. So uh, specific measurable accountable. Resonant. Yeah, but the normal one is realistic. Realistic, right? So achievable. We just throw in achievable and realistic yeah. out of the out of the window. So and can I tell you why? Can I tell you why? Because accountable. Because um, so when it's achievable, it's like I've made this goal and you know, achievable suggests it's something that's within my grasp, within my reach, which, you know, it's okay. But if it's accountable, it means you have to share it. So somebody is going to call you out. <laughs> yeah. You say you're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then T was normally it's time bound and you changed it to thrilling. Yeah. Because you've, you've got to set goals that make you want to jump out of bed in the morning because otherwise you're just not going to do them. Otherwise, or, you know, they, they give you that bit of, mm, fear in a good way obviously yeah but I also think you know and this isn't true for everyone but I also think if you are a uh working mother and this isn't true for everyone but if you're a working mother like sometimes time bound is just you know it's tough (laughs) absolutely always I mean it's not particularly now particularly now when you know, you're trying to do a million and one things and look after the kids and, and you want to find some time for you as well. So if you set a goal that is just like, I'm going to do it by this date, it's very easy to actually not do it because you're exhausted at the end of the day and you just collapse on the sofa. But actually, if it's thrilling, you're going to carve out that 15 minutes a day or whatever it is to work towards it. And it's a killjoy. Like, I, you know, to be able to put, when you put it, I'm not saying don't put a time on it. I think it's yeah. good sometimes, you know, I think be specific about kind of, you know, use time if you, if it helps motivate you, but I'm not saying don't do time, but my, my issue with time is, you know, like I, I wanted to do a triathlon in 2014 and it just was the wrong year for triathlon. I had like a, you know, I had a four-year-old and a three-year-old and, you know, I, um, we were moving countries and, you know, I got none, you know, I was, I was trying to keep things together financially. You know, it was, it was a tough year. And I, and I remember like, I remember feeling, feeling really annoyed with myself that I hadn't done a triathlon in 2014. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to set that goal for 2015 and which I did do it in 2015, but it was, I, I'm, I'm really glad that I didn't like beat myself up. And I recognized that, Hey, it was a tough year and no one would be expected to do a triathlon in those circumstances. And let's just make that a new goal for next year. Um, so I like, I love thrilling. Well, I love your smart goals, which is why we still teach them at Tech Pixies. Uh-huh. And I know you meet people who've done the Tech Pixies program and they like come up to you and talk to you like they know you because you're in all of our films. <laughs> I, had a couple like, of, I, don't, I don't know you, but. <laughs> it's, uh, I've had a couple of strange, not strange, a couple of funny situations like that where um, one in particular, so it was last year, I was on a panel for a funding bid and the lady came in and she looked at me and gave me a huge smile and went, hi. And I went, hi. And then she did, and she, and she did her present. It was a fantastic presentation. And then I was like, my goodness, do I know? You know that feeling when you think, I can't think where I know her from. And she was, and in fact, I think she went, hi, Jess. And I, and I went, hi. I thought, oh, my God, I can't remember. And it wasn't until I think afterwards she said, I'm so sorry. She actually apologised. She said, I came in there like I knew because it's only because I've just done tech pixies and I've been watching you for however many weeks. Because I think it's when I record the, the ones that I recorded with you. So yeah, maybe a couple of years ago now. Yeah, well, um, we're still using it. I mean, that's the oh, yeah. No, it's still so so you came over to my house in the kitchen that's literally yes. there. We did it three years ago and we filmed yeah. this series of like life coaching cool toolkit, which actually, by the way, is free on YouTube. You can go to YouTube and type in technically life coaching toolkit. It's all there, but it's also in our curriculum. And, um, you know, but it's, it, the point is, is like, I wanted people, you know, I wanted us to talk about it and I wanted to, it was when we first started doing video, actually, I think it was right in the early days of doing video and yeah. for, um, and, and also anyway, so we talked about the smarkles, but your smarkles are different. So here's the deal. This is why I'm going to call you out on your BHAG. Go on. On the one week that we were supposed to be off, and I did take the week off from work, sort of, um, I decided that was going to be my week to write the book. And um, in 21 hours, I wrote a 50-page 50, uh, 50 uh, book, you know, that's um, A5, so 100 pages of A5, 50 pages A4. Um, so I don't know. I think you're just, you know... <laughs> 
I think I, the world needs your book and I think you need to just like sort it out. Yeah, I, it's still there. It's not like, I think it's my, so it's, I haven't put my time scale stretch. The accountability is where you put your time in it. And I had it in my mind that I was going to do it this year. Oh, okay. Um, well, you've still got six months. <laughs> <laughs> well the a global pandemic that, don't worry you're in my book so you know oh, at, least, gosh. <laughs> at least you got a mention in my book oh yeah so that's kind of a no, actually you're like a whole section in my book because I talk about your smart goals so um so yeah so let's let's talk about smart goals um and I know we gotta I mean we've got to kind of wrap it up a little bit but I the reason I I wanted you to come on originally was to talk about SMART goals and we've just gone through what they kind of really stand for. But I think, you know, and one of the things that we've added into the program is how important habits are because, you know, you, in order to actually achieve your SMART goals, you know, you have to make decisions. What am I going to do today? What am I going to do in the next week? What am I going to do in the next six weeks to kind of accomplish this goal? And, you know, and it's also about breaking that big, hairy, audacious goal down. And that's when you came to our winter get together. That's what you were talking about, you know? Yeah. Get that big hair audacious goal out there but then let's break it down into smaller chunks and let's kind of work through those and and get those done so that we can actually kind of move forwards and become the person we want to become and one of the smart goals that comes up a lot for women is losing weight and i i you know i i hesitate to encourage that one because what i always like to say i'm sorry about the buzzing what i always like to say is it's not about losing weight you know it's not about running the marathon right it's about becoming the person who lives a healthier lifestyle, which will inevitably lead to losing weight. It's yeah. about becoming the person who, you know, starts running five times a week, which will lead to someone being able to run a marathon. You know, it's about the personal transformation. And we did a live coaching session in our Facebook group with, a, with one of the ladies that's going through the course. And it was very interesting because in the morning she'd come on and she said, okay, I want to, and she's actually watching live. So that's why I'm kind of calling her out right now. Um, but in the morning she said, I want to value myself. She's like, I, that's my smart goal. Like I want to value myself. And Teresa was great. So Teresa um, is the coach that does the live coaching. Uh, Jess is too busy to do the live coaching. I've asked her several times to me down. Which is true, but um, but so she's going to live coaching with Teresa, and I I had to message Teresa afterwards because what Teresa did was so beautiful. She was able to translate I want to value myself into what is an action I'm going to take because valuing yourself is not necessarily like I mean I'm listening to a book called the um, Four Spiritual. Um, the four spiritual rules of prosperity, something like that. Okay. I can't remember what it's exactly called, but something like that. And she was saying like, if you want to value yourself or not, she wasn't talking about valuing yourself, but like, if you want to, if you want to be loved, you know, just look around you. Like so many people love you. you. You're just not looking for the love that's there, you know? And so her point is that's not really a goal. Like to be loved is not really a goal. Um, and she said, and also be careful how you ask for love. And she was giving this example of this woman who wanted to be loved more. And then she got home and her neighbor gave her a, a pregnant dog. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, she got what she asked for, a lot yeah. more love, but maybe not what she, the way she wanted it. So the thing about smart, smart goals are they are specific, you know, be specific. Yeah. And so what the coach, what Teresa got um, this woman to come, uh, come around to um, was, I will value myself by doing yoga twice a week or, you know, whatever for two yeah. minutes, you know, just, and I'm going to give myself a hug afterwards. So like, I know that I have valued myself above everyone else. Cause she's as, as with most people in the tech Pixies community, they have given up their, their hopes and dreams to really promote the hopes and dreams of those they love. But ironically, by giving up your own hopes and dreams to promote the hopes and dreams of the people you love, you're not demonstrating that it's okay to have some dreams. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, I'm just thinking about the weight loss thing. It's about understanding what's underneath that goal as well. What, you know, what, what it's going to give you, what's the deeper, the deeper reward for achieving that goal. I think that's really important as well. So if you, if you want to lose weight, is it because you want to buy that beautiful dress that you saw, you know, that designer dress or whatever, or is it that you want to be able to run around the park with the kids or, or whatever it might be so it's, it's it's finding out why you why you want what what difference or what difference that goal will actually make to you will make well, you more likely to want to accomplish it 
Yeah, and you're right. Because um, so interestingly enough, like, so I'm doing neuro coaching certification now. Oh, cool. Inspired by you because you've been such a massive influence in my life. I mean, I kid you not, like, I, I remember when we set up the Tech Pixies program, and I remember when I put the bid in, and I remember, you know, feeling like it was so important that we had life coaching with tech skills, mm. and then a community, you know, it was, those were the things that mattered, life coaching, tech skills, mindset, you know, or I mean, um, mindset, life coaching, yeah. you know, tech skills, community, like those yeah. three things, that was the secret sauce for me. And I felt like if you just gave people tech skills, but you didn't give them the mindset work. You didn't give them the life coaching work. They, it wasn't going to work. You know, they, they were, and really, I think I did it because, you know, I remember all the conversations, the, the the tough conversations, you know, that I had with my husband about setting up my own business and, Mm. you know, and how hard that was. And I needed guidance and help, you know, to make sure that I was, you know, gonna, it was okay to chase my own dreams Mm. and the things that were on my heart. And thank goodness I did, you know, thank goodness I, found you and thank goodness you encouraged me to you know to I mean and we've had conversations that haven't you know you've challenged me big time you know and you're always saying what's in your gut what's in your gut what's in your gut you know every time I've called you and we've gone through a coaching call you know whenever you ask that question what's in your gut I mean that's always such a good question but the when you're doing the neuro coaching certification one of the things you realize is there's always a why there's always a why and and you have to almost, and we don't do that in the Tech Pixies course, but you know, we, we kind of do the top level of that. But yeah. if you can get down, 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 down deep to why you want to really do whatever that thing is that you want to do, yeah, that's where you can start to rewrite the story. Absolutely. Because, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because we tell ourselves these, and this is, and just to circle this whole conversation up, because you've got to go and I've got to go. But I think what with the neuro coaching training I'm doing, what I've learned is that your brain and your thoughts are a series of very deep grooves. And every time you think something over and over again, the groove goes deeper, the groove goes deeper, the groove goes deeper, the groove goes. And to rethink that or to change the way you think, you have to write a new groove and it, you have to think a fresh thought. And that fresh thought has to be thought so many times that it creates a deeper groove than the other, the other one. Exactly that. Yeah, exactly. And what, and I think what we're, what I realized when I was doing my kind of, you know, I, I have this new morning, well, I've had, since coronavirus hit, I started doing this morning routine. It, I did the Hal Elrod book, you know, the miracle morning yeah. and I started, and I'm not a morning person. Anyone who's ever known me knows I'm not a morning person. It's not my like favorite time, although it is now, but it, I have this series that I go through. And when I was kind of processing and understanding the neuro coaching, you know, the neuro side of things, I was thinking- yeah oh my gosh, like the reason that this is what it is, is that we have been living these thoughts. We so have long. huge, deep grooves, yeah. huge, deep grooves. Yeah. And, and no, it's rewiring and, and, and you can do it. And, and we're all capable of doing it. You know, we're all, it's, and as you uh, circle back to what you were saying about intentions and um, um, yeah, about intentions that actually once you set the intentions and you actually take action towards those intentions, that's when you're developing your new grooves because otherwise you just carry on with or new habits, not intention, new habits. You carry on with the old habits because the old habits are comfortable because it's like getting into a comfy pair of shoes rather than putting on those new Manolo Blanics, you know. And but actually those old habits, if they're not serving you, then you just you just you're in this spiral where you don't you, and then you feel hopeless, you feel like you can't get out of it. So it takes a lot of courage to actually set that new intention and like you said miracle morning you're not a morning person but you decided to you set an intention to become a morning person by doing the miracle morning because that's something that takes a lot of commitment but by making that commitment hey you are a morning person now. well so, yeah. I'm 70 days in and you know I love it and I have to say here's the deal like and this is all about the kind of going deeper on the smart goals level and going into that why, you know, and then rewriting the story mm-hmm. and really figuring out what are the automatic negative thoughts that you have every day that create grooves in your brain that you need to rewire. Mm-hmm. And it's by recognizing what those automatic negative thoughts are. And this is what I learned from Dr. Shannon Irvin, who I'm doing the neuro coaching certification with over the next year. But what she taught me was you have automatic negative thoughts. And, and, and that's just the way humans are wired. You know, we're wired to stay safe 
And that's what happens, you know, <laughs> when you're wired. It's say- about safety and yeah. it's about safety. But sometimes it's like, you know, we, we used to talk, we, or we used to talk about saboteurs. It's like the saboteurs come, but when you're a child and your parents tell you not to put your hand in fire. So you almost, you automatically have certain fears. So, you know, it, you're not about to put your hand in fire, but you, you just start to build certain fears that, oh, if I see something like that, it's hot. So I'm not going to go near it. And it's like, your brain is worrying you to, so the saboteurs are there to keep you safe at first, but in time, as you get older and more experienced and you live life a bit more, actually they're the things that hold you back because then you don't want to take risk, for example, because you've, you've, you're wired to say, oh, risk is bad. And actually, maybe if you took that risk, if you took that job, if you, you know, went on that trip, it could completely change your life if you take that risk. Well, that's just it. And here's the thing. It's like you can go through this whole scenario and you can figure out what your automatic negative thought is that's tied into it. And usually it's much deeper. It's like, I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough. It has nothing to do really with weight or what but it's tied into something it's tied into experiences you had as a child where you felt that you weren't worthy or you weren't good enough and then you did something you know like go and eat something or whatever it's tied deeply into that and 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 the thing is is what she says next is that you refute it so you pick the person that you love the most in your life and you speak that thing you say to yourself all the time that you don't even think about saying to yourself you then say it to them not in real life you know you hypothetically they're standing there right in front of you and you say to them you know I can't even say it with my own children but like Asher you are not worthy like I can't say it right and the point is you cringe when you say it because you would never say it to someone that you love but you will say it to yourself all the time so then what she says is then you you reframe it and you go back through experiences that prove to you because she said it's really hard to go I'm worthy, you know, and just put on the like, I'm worthy shirt, you know, and how like, I'm worthy across the front, Like you just can't do it. So, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to go back into your life. And you've got to say, okay, what, where, what circumstances in my life? Tell me that I'm worthy? What circumstances in my life? Tell me that I'm, I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. And when you reflect on those, and you write them down, you get this huge list of all these things. And actually, I remember when you, when you ran the Tech Pixies program in the early days, you had everyone do that, you had them write this huge list of all their accomplishments. Yeah. And it's so, and women are always mind blown when they write down all their accomplishments because there are so many of them. And then they suddenly go, I did that, I did that, I did that, I did that. And it's like your evidence bank. It's like, then you have this evidence bank that somewhere it's buried deep inside, but life gets in a way. But when you write it down, it's evidence, it's there. And that's why I always say to people, write down your accomplishments at the end of each week. Or if you're having a particularly bad day, write down the three things that you know you did well. Because when you wake up the next morning, you look at those three things what a great way to start your day and it sounds really simple but it's really effective because then you focus on the things you know you can do well which builds up your confidence and your resilience as well no it's so important I love the daily three writing down three big wins I write down my three big wins every week so I'll go through at the end of the week I I review the week and I write but it's funny because I have to go dig for them and then when I find them I'm thrilled so I hope you're I hope I hope we haven't kept you on too long here. No, no, it's fine. No. <laughs> I was just thinking, oh my gosh, do we have to put this? Um, but no. so I think it's just so this message is so important and, and it's so interesting because so many people are are still here, they're still with us, they're still commenting, they're still watching, they're loving this. Um, Renee Watson's watching, just by the way. Oh, hello, Renee. <laughs> she says this is really making her upset because um of the no hug rule, and she wishes that she could hug <laughs> both of us right now. And, Renee, we wish we could hug you too. Yeah. Um, I think that's, you know, that's, that's, I can't wait till we can hug again. Oh my gosh. Mm. It's been horrible not being able to hug people. Mm. Um, but let's, let's close on that. Just that, mm. you know, you need to recognize what's going on under, under those smart goals. Why do you want to do it? You know, go a little bit deeper, try and figure out what that thing is and then re reframe it. And, you know, and, and if, if, if losing weight is about not feeling worthy, then it's about reframing it to feel worthy. And, and then you need to repeat it. And that's her point is that every day you need to repeat it. So one of the things that I started doing in addition to SMART goals, um, which is such a great practice to get, you know, to get you going, right? SMART, you've mm-hmm. got to do SMART goals. I think personally, you've got to do the wheel of life. I mean, all those things you've taught us, you've got mm-hmm. to do them. I believe in them so much, so wholeheartedly. You've got to read the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. It's a little bit, it's yeah. a little bit academic, but you still got to read it. You know, you got to go through all this stuff and understand what's actually going on in the brain. 
But then there's one more step, which I think a lot of people are afraid of. And that's just that the, the writing the affirmations and reading them or thinking them or going through them every day, because you do have to rewrite those neural networks. Because if you don't rewrite them, the same story is going to write itself. And I think if there's one message I hope that comes out of tonight's amazing conversation that had so many emotions and ups and downs in it, I, I, I hope that message is that we need, we need to rewrite the neural networks of society. Like we really need to rewrite what people believe deep down and we need to really start to create deeper grooves in a better way forwards. And, you know, we can, and, and don't be silent, don't be compliant, you know, stick and up. We all have a, and we all have the power to change the world in our own small way. We all have a, the power to dismantle this and create a new order we just have to have the intention to actually do it. Mic drop. <laughs> I love you, Jess. And thank oh, you Jess. so much for this time. I mean, I just, it's such an important message. Yeah, you're so welcome. It's been wonderful to speak to you as always. So, and thank you. Thank you for listening. Well, next time it's going to be in person. And, you know, oh. I think what we're going to do is we're going to meet up and have a book exchange. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Your book's going to be done. You're going to have to sign my book, your book for me. And I'm going to sign yeah, it for you. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's, that's exactly what's going to happen. Ah, no. <laughs> we'll have a book signing party. We can, we can have people come and get our books. Yay. Hug everyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jess. You're very welcome, Joy.